Pete Phillips operate as the bellhops to the hotel fascinating. I hate Pete. Opening doors and carrying bags to wonderful suites of comfort, whimsy, and intrigue. Woo! In other words, we tell you things you didn't know, you needed to know. There was more to that, but I knew you couldn't take it. Yo, I'm glad. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm having a time. Okay, Pete, how's your day going? No. Week, because otherwise, boy, would this be a bad yeah. story. How's your week going? I've just been really busy at work, and then when I come home, I want to be so not busy that I just refuse to do anything. Oh, story of my life. I've been doing that for months. Is that a new thing? No, but Marissa, this week at work, we had a birthday, and if you remember, listeners, back Did to you our clean glasses? November 2017 episode, <laughs> you know what that means. Did we clink glasses? Here's what happened. The restaurant... That used to have plastic cups, now they have glass cups. So if you clinked glasses, they would at least clink now instead of thunking. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, they didn't. I think they might know. Because you broke them or because they don't actually want them to clink? They just didn't go through, like the, my coworkers did not go through the action. They're doing that to fuck with you. You think so? Yes. Okay. That's scary. <laughs> Part of a long con. I also had a wonderful Tuesday because I got the WRKC radio internet stream working after waiting for someone to help with it for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was WNBA related. I'm sorry, continue. I have that too. (laughs) I bet. You, our lovely podcast listeners, will get to listen to the station that Marissa and I once had a show on. If you'd like to hear some of those shows, you can always... Join our Patreon. We don't have a show on there now, but you might hear a future Pete and Marissa on there. Ooh! If you join our Patreon, you can ask for whatever you want. Yeah. I will put it. Yeah. I say within reason, but I'm pretty sure Marissa has no reason. I mean, (laughs) sexual uh, requests uh, are the only things I outlaw. Yeah. Outlaw. And and illegal things. It's WNBA playoffs, too. So I've been watching that. It's been a naturally good week for Pete. It's been so good this week that I went to Kohl's and I bought two shirts and it cost me $20. And the lady was like, $20.49. And I reached into my pocket and I had two quarters and I was like, man, everything's coming up me. (laughs) And she was like, you're having a good day. (laughs) How many of you listeners wish that sentence ended after he just said, and I went, that I went to Kohl's? (laughs) My week was going so good that I went to Kohl's, and then we moved on. Well, my week's not going as good as yours. My week isn't horrendous. Let me have one. Wait, no, I'm happy for you. I could rant about things that are making me very upset, but they, like, take too many details. Any of our listeners out there suffer with anxiety? Sometimes when I come home from work, for no reason at all, I hate everyone so much (laughs) that literally I feel like my heart starts beating faster and I want to call everyone a cunt. And if anyone touches me just by mistake and doesn't (laughs) apologize, I know. I won't, like, shoot them or anything. But, like, I don't even know what could happen. I don't even know, guys. In the words of, like, verbal things. Again, I'm not going to, like, murder somebody. 
But man, That's man comforting. oh man, was it one of those days. My favorite thing that happened two days ago is I went to someone's house and they had an empty taco bag. And I, for no reason, this wasn't a joke. This wasn't a reference to anything. I just go, hey, did somebody have a burrito bowl? And the person I said that to started blushing. I have no idea why, because there's nothing wrong with having a burrito bowl. There's nothing scandalous about it. But they started blushing and stuck and uh, like, yeah, like stumbling over their words. And it was the funniest thing I've ever witnessed. And it was beautiful. It was my best thing this week. It's good. Yeah. Icebreaker. I was supposed to dream up a icebreaker. And I was thinking about it. Then I forgot. But I here we it. are. Ooh, when I was in my job's two-and-a-half-hour horrible award show, woo, woo. Uh, I decided to ask you, <clears throat> if you could have your own award show, tell me what it would be. I just mean, like, what would the award focus on? So you don't have to say, like, every single award, and it doesn't have to be one award. Good. But let's say you have the equivalent of the Oscars or of the Grammys, and tell me what the award itself would be called. Hmm. That's a tough one, because I don't really know that I like anything enough to see awards for it. <laughs> so I'm going to answer first. I just thought of it right now. Didn't think sure. about this ahead of time. These would be local award shows that happen in every town or city. Every one of them. You would have to be officially diagnosed oh, with either depression or anxiety by a, pro- uh, by a practitioner. Not that you go out and get diagnosed, but this is an award show for people... Who have mental health issues, <laughs> and I people would have to write in and tell me the most amazing thing they did in a given year that went against their diagnosis, like they overcame something, or like they they did spoken word poetry despite their massive anxiety, or they and despite um, our last episode that strongly advised them to not do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I just didn't think of anything, or like they. Got an improv class day early, despite the fact that they have crippling depression. Yeah, improv class, whatever. <laughs> I just want to award you because today I didn't call anyone a cunt out loud. I'm not saying I deserve an award, but man, was it hard! And man, did I feel like everyone was just hell spawn, <laughs> just walking down my street. No one did anything to me other than the one guy I held the door for not saying thank you in Wells Fargo. That <laughs> so uh yeah uh i just think people with mental health issues i don't know much and i'm i'm assuming i would be helping in the award process and i don't know much beyond depression and anxiety so these would be centered on that and the award would be called um ooh. <laughs> the, i'll come back to that do you have your what your award would be for yet i don't know i'm just thinking that my favorite thing that happened to me today is that a person that I think is truly wonderful was standing in my doorway and they were like, have you ever scratched your cornea before? And I was like, I don't that's my nightmare. think so. And she yeah, was like, I think I did. And that's why I'm wearing glasses right now. Uh, and I was like, there's more to that. Well, they look okay. <laughs> so like, I don't know how you would measure it, though. Wow, yeah, this is going to be interesting. But Where like is a, this going to end? A hypochondria sort of award show. 
for the best hypochondriac. Like the most but it's almost like you're rewarding like something that's really, I mean, damaging behavior. Yours is at least yeah. overcoming it. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting, Pete. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It would be podcast awards. We would win them all, and they'd be called the potties. Yep, the potties. <laughs> I like that. P o t t y s. Mine would be called the "You're Not on Fires." The end. Okay, let's start a podcast. As you can tell, I'm not having the best mental health day. <laughs> I'll be fine after I eat this fucking rice. And maybe do some exercise. No, it won't be fine because I'm eating so many carbs and I was not supposed <laughs> to eat so much carbs. I'll be fine. Tomorrow. Presumably. Hey there. We're recording our 100th episode pretty soon and if you'd like to play a part in making that happen, maybe leave us a voicemail to say happy anniversary or toss some questions for us to answer on our milestone show. Call up at 570-763-9231. That's 570-POD-WAD-1. Show us some love. After all, we love you for listening. Speaking of being fine, this week I am building from a topic submission by Marissa and I, Marissa and my, our friend Kathy. Kathy formerly worked. Tell me about this, but I forgot. She formerly worked at. I didn't tell you what the topic is. Oh, okay. I just knew Kathy. So she used to work at training. I don't know why I wrote it that way. At training kids in gymnastics. She used to work with kids, teaching them gymnastics. So she unintentionally had her finger on the pulse of kid-related things that were happening, and she once suggested that we talk about Barbie on the show, but not the doll Barbie. Barbie. Oh, you said Marvy. Today I'm here to talk to you about Marvy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But not the plastic doll with unrealistic body proportions. Kathy suggested that we deep dive into the world of Barbie on Netflix, where you'll find many straight-to-DVD releases that could keep your kids busy for at least a whole entire 24-hour period. What an period. interesting topic. Yes. I value you, Kathy. This is why I was not ready to record on Tuesday, because I hadn't watched enough fucking Barbie on Netflix. How many did you watch? How <laughs> uh, many? I'll say this much. Book? I didn't get through any. I started six. <laughs> wow. A while back, Mattel had to sort of face the music about the message that Barbie sends to young girls. The first and the most obvious WTF is the body image. Barbie's body is unrealistic, and I have some numbers to prove it. <laughs> My f- Are there dolls with realistic body proportions? But don't you think Barbie set the trend? Maybe. Some people say that Barbie's so thin, she couldn't contain all mm. the necessary organs that a human body would need. <laughs> Most notably, a uterus. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The circumference, Maybe she's a waist trainer. The circumference of Barbie's head is 22 inches. The average U.S. woman has a 20-inch head. So oh. there you go. She's got a bigger head. <laughs> Ooh, sexy. The circumference of her neck is nine inches. I'm sorry. I think I don't have this. I don't think it's circumference. <laughs> anyway, her <laughs> neck is nine inches. No! What? <laughs> Maybe it's wide. <laughs> nine inches? And the average U.S. woman has a 15-inch wide neck. Sorry. You but, mean, like, if we compared it to a woman? I thought you yes. meant the actual Barbie for a moment. <laughs> I, I zoned out, and I was like, the fuck? That's a big I'm Barbie. Sorry. 
That's a very large ass Barbie. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, I, it gets really disturbing to me when it gets to like the calves and the feet because. Her feet are constantly in a high heel position. But here's the thing. A lot of people get bent out of shape because of the hips. She's got 29-inch hips, and uh, the average U.S. woman has 40-inch hips. She's got a 16-inch waist, and the average U.S. woman has a 35-inch waist. So there's some big number gaps there. And the idea here, well, I'll just use some sources to say it better than I would myself. As body image expert Marcy Warhaft Nadler, author of the Body Image Survival Guide for Parents explains, quote, Barbie sends our girls one message, and it's this. You can do anything and you can be anything, as long as you look like this. Very tall, true. very thin, very Caucasian, and very beautiful. That's true. It is. Uh, how, you, how are you very Caucasian? As opposed to, like, baseline Caucasian. Italian, as opposed to Italian, maybe? I, like you're, like, tan Caucasian. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> One critic says that Barbie also portrays women as stupid, that the dolls are not age-appropriate, and, quote, Barbie buys its way into pro-girl spaces, appropriating girl empowerment to sell more dolls. Now, if you ask me, that is a criticism of Mattel, not Barbie. Yeah. Barbie doesn't actually run a company <laughs> where she's just trying to sell more dolls. Personally, the worst part of looking at all these different Barbies is the blank smile on a Barbie, but then I remembered that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also looked mad all the time, so I don't really know how much that plays a role into things, but... Should I be um, ashamed? I don't really have a problem with Barbie, and I think I'm... You are on that. par, I'll tell you that, as a spoiler alert. And I think I would consider myself, without using the word, I think I'm basically a textbook feminist, like, by definite, like, so, like, that's interesting, but continue. With criticism building, Mattel needed to come up with a way to save Barbie's image. In 2001, they started a series of CGI films, mostly starring Barbie. I'm sorry, they're all starring Barbie. <laughs> oh, no, didn't they make Monster High films? Right, they sort of branched off with a couple of other different things. Why do I know? Because I've watched almost all I know you have. So is my brother. In 2014, though, they had a campaign that you might recall where little girls were doing all sorts of things like helping animals, teaching in college, coaching teams, and the cute image Little was girls that, were teaching in college? Yeah, it was like this little girl in front of a lecture hall, and she was talking to people, and then you show the, ki the, the students, and they were like, ha, 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 this is cute, this is funny. But the idea of the whole thing was that girls can do anything. And the girl was like, I'm not funny. Is that, is that what happened? No. In 2014, a study also found that four- to seven-year-old girls who played with Barbies had a more limited perception of what girls can do when compared to the sets of girls who played with Mrs. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> Even girls who played with doctor or dentist Barbies didn't have better scores in this matrix. The idea is that when girls play with Barbies, which look unrealistic and get called pretty... Their mental energy begins to fill with how to look pretty instead of how to do, like, amazing things with my life. Okay, that's valid, okay. The Atlantic has an interesting study on this that sort of spirals from Barbie into Halloween costumes and beyond, basically how sexualization and objectification can impact a girl into womanhood. Okay. All this is just a lead up to what we're really here to talk about. Prior to 2014, Barbie movies were mostly derivative of fairy tales. Prince and the Pauper, Swan Lake, Rapunzel, The Nutcracker, those kinds of things. 
Some have ventured to say that putting Barbie in the lead roles of a Prince and the Pauper or the Three Musketeers takes a feminist step forward because it puts a woman in the context of these stories where they weren't at all before. But for many, that was not enough. Even it's in enough the for stories, me. I know. <laughs> Am I problematic? No, you're not. Uh, in stories and games, there were references to men doing the more manly things. One screenshot in this particular article shows Barbie designing and coming up with a game idea, but she actually needs a boy to code the game because she can't do that. Oh, shit. Okay, that's (laughs) fucked up. In other words, from the abstract of Barbie and the straight-to-DVD movie, colon, pink post-feminist pedagogy, from the journal Feminist Media Studies, quote, As Barbie's popularity began to decline across the first decade of the 21st century, the iconic doll underwent a makeover and became the maven of straight-to-DVD sector. Across the movies produced since 2001, the narratives reflect an awareness of feminist criticism and seek to remediate Barbie's particular femininity and associated gender performance that has fallen into disfavor. She's allowed to be feminine, bitches. You're allowed to be empowered and feminine. She doesn't suddenly need to be, like, (laughs) masculine or, like, a gender to, like, be powerful. We should show that feminine women can be powerful. I'm sorry. Interestingly, these efforts are often facilitated by a movement in the time and place that relocates Barbie from here and now as she plays the protagonist role in adaptations of classic works of fiction set in the past. Uh, We explore the complex composition of Mattel's straight-to-DVD Barbie movies and consider how the adaptations intersect with feminist discourse. Looking closely at Barbie and the Three Musketeers, in the wider context of the DVD series, we argue that the Barbie DVDs perform a post-feminist pedagogy and insulate the post-feminist sensibility among young viewers and consumers worldwide. (laughs) Question. Yes. Did Kathy tell you how to do this topic? Hell no, she didn't. Just do about them. Yeah, she said... Barbie Barbie movies on Netflix. She didn't say, like, can you examine the post-feminist? No, she was basically talking about how it's, like, its own whole entire world. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, I didn't have an account to actually read the study, which is why I just quoted the entire abstract. An account of what? Where is this? It's uh, in a, a journal called Feminist Media Studies. Oh, okay. I think that Kathy would be upset if I didn't point this out. She said Netflix Barbie's movies, but there are also Netflix Barbie series. Okay. Separate? Which I also watched. In episode one of Barbie Dreamhouse Adventures, <laughs> men, are, men are moving boxes while Barbie vlogs about her new house. Now, her little sister Stacy does play basketball in her bedroom, and her other little sister Skipper has her own DJ booth in the bedroom. But it's all pinks and purples and tea sets and girly things. So are girly things girly because Barbie says so, or did they design Barbie to be into girly things? Oh, wow. I can't wait to hear the answer to that. In the same show, Barbie's mom is a tech whiz who programmed the entire house with automatic beds and shit. Remember, it's a dream house. (laughs) In Barbie, video game hero, she is coding the game herself. So now we're moving forward. Of course, just as fantastical as a woman uh, able to code a video game, she also gets sucked into the video game. Okay. I'm kidding. That was a joke. (laughs) 
There's also the sci-fi adventure, Barbie's Starlight Adventure, in which Barbie saves the stars from going out. That's a big deal. Those are titles that are hilarious. That's a big deal. The stars in the universe are going to go out, but a girl saves the day. (laughs) Also, I just want to say, I want to backtrack. I move boxes when I move, but mostly (laughs) I have other people. Men do it. However, women can do it. However, I feel like if you want Barbara to move the boxes, in another episode, either she should have muscles or another episode it should stress how strong she is, or else it'll just look like you're having her move boxes for the sake of filling a male role. Correct. Meaning, like, she shouldn't do everything, and it's not because she's a woman, but it's because she doesn't have the physique of a woman who could probably move her own moving boxes. If I was moving today, yeah. I would move as few boxes as possible. And I am yeah. a man. Yeah. I am a lazy man who doesn't want to move boxes. <laughs> Fine, she can have a woman move the boxes, but it has to be her muscular cousin, Jenny. <laughs> but that's not the her. Thing. Just because somebody's not moving boxes doesn't mean that they aren't masculine enough to move yeah. the boxes. I don't know. That annoys me that that's the thing anyone will point out. That's, like, stupid. What, does it need to be a woman's world? Can no man be a Barbie's world? <laughs> uh, in Barbie's spy squad... She is a spy with two of her friends, which is pretty much a lot cooler than Barbie Dolphin Magic, where, <laughs> no, no, she's not a dolphin. No, she's actually she's an environmental magic. terrorist who meets a mermaid. But okay. if we turn back to academics, <laughs> I'm going That's... to intercut some highlights from what uh, the app Pocket estimated a 40-minute read <laughs> by okay. Emma A. Jane. Uh, from the University of New South Wales in Australia from a publication called Fusion Journal. Barbie's shows and movies have come a long way from the start where she was uh, modeled on a sexy novelty German doll for adults, the brainchild of American businesswoman Ruth Handler, the youngest of ten children in a family of Polish immigrants. In interviews, Handler said that she wanted to introduce a, quote, bland, adult-shaped doll to the children's toy market to encourage girls to engage in imaginative play that was beyond mothering baby dolls, as well as helping them come to terms with the prospect of one day developing breasts. So basically, here's a doll that you can dress and you can, you know, like, I don't know, freaking move around or some shit. Um, Instead of nursing a baby doll, which is presumably what your options were before that. Yeah. The author acknowledges that there are very few uh, pieces about the phenomenon of Barbie films, except Lisa Orr's 2009 paper called uh, (laughs) Difference That Is Actually Sameness Mass Reproduced. Barbie Joins the Princess Convergence. I'm sorry, what is the definition of phenomenon? (laughs) And this particular paper compares Barbie princesses in the first 14 Barbie movies released after 2001 to those princesses associated with Disney. She offers that the films end in a romantic resolution, which is inappropriate for a product aimed at three to five-year-olds. Not necessarily. They're they allowed s- to have romance. Not, not s- five-year-olds. They're allowed to have <laughs> romance. Five-year-olds are not allowed to have romance. They seem to, quote, counsel obedience and reward passivity. Okay, that's a valid complaint. And perfectly prepare little girls for, quote, insertion into heterosexual discourse. Not going to disagree with any of that. Okay, yeah. Okay, sure. The writer from New South Wales, uh, I believe Emma, yeah, Emma Jane, 
also talks about her personal connection to Barbie, which is her daughter. The first film I watched with Alice was Barbie, A Fairy Secret, in which Barbie stars as a teenage movie starlet whose personal stylists turn out to be a shoe fairy and a purse fairy from a magical dimension called Gloss Angeles. Okay, these titles are horrible. <laughs> to cut a very long and glittery story short, the passion fairy, ruler of Gloss Angeles, Princess Graciela... Gloss Angeles? Gloss Angeles. Like G-L-O-S-S Angeles? Absolutely. Great. Princess Graciela falls in love with Ken while under the influence of a love spell administered by the duplicitous assistant, Crystal. Princess Graciela arranges for him, Ken, to be abducted and held in bondage in the fairy realm where her heartbroken boyfriend, Zane, responds by challenging Ken to a series of duels. More details about this bondage, please. Fortunately, the defenseless Ken is eventually rescued by Barbie and her former frenemy, Raquel. So, frenemy? Yes. Okay. In that particular case, a man is saved by two women... And that goes a long way for feminism, where subservience, you know, seems to be very commonplace. In her conclusions, Jane says, Do real-world girls enjoy Barbie movies because they reflect a pre-existing interest in gynocentrism? Or is Barbie co-opting girls into the idea of gynocentrism and separatism that is packaged so very prettily in her movies? Should I know what gynocentrism is? I think just, like, female-centric, perhaps? Okay. I hope. Okay. As fascinating as it is to consider instances of and possible reasons for gender separatism in childhood, and how these relate to the formation of contemporary gender identities overall, alter this question. This is actually worth it. Alter this question so it asks instead whether Barbie films are co-opting girls into an ideology of oppressive consumerism and subservience to the heteropatriarchy. In other words, are these Barbie movies training people to buy products and sort of enter into the consumerist capitalist society that we have mm-hmm. and also obey yeah, the heteropatriarchy that we have where you're supposed to meet a man, be a mom, that sort of stuff. She settles on the idea that we can blame Barbie, Barbie for some things, but blaming her for everything is ridiculous. In That's other good. Words, I'm glad there's some sanity here. <laughs> Barbie in media carries a message, but not I'm all not people. I'm not wildly pro Barbie. I just want that to be known. <laughs> I not just all find people... <laughs> some of these arguments annoying. Not all people receive a message that's put out in the media the same way. Part of any communication model is how the audience interprets your message. We are not passive creatures that just absorb the messages that were put out there, unless we process them and reflect on them so that we figure out what they mean for us. There is good evidence that many of us, particularly many of us in feminist contexts, have an anti-Barbie bias, which may mask the fact that, here you go, Marissa, A, some aspects of Barbie text are consistent with feminist ideals, and B, neither Barbie products nor Barbie players are fixed, but are in states of flux and therefore require regular revisiting by researchers. There we go. Duh. I agree with that wholeheartedly. So the, the point of this would be give Barbie a chance. She's out here. She's doing a lot of stuff these days. And while she still may not be perfect, neither are you or I. In fact, it's yep. so hard to find a light-hearted kids show that is so pro-feminist as some would like. But when Barbie is not as curvy and unrealistic 
and I don't think that she is in these particular movies, though she still does really have freakishly long legs. And she's in CGI, and she's working with other women to solve problems. And honestly, the male Ken is kind of like a neutered next-door neighbor with very little character development. Okay. I think we could call that a win. <laughs> yeah, okay. Has Kathy seen these movies? I hope so. Okay. Should we watch any of these movies? The listeners? Mm, yes. Nah. No? Listen, okay. my favorite was Barbie Spy... Uh, what was it called? Barbie Spy Dolphin. Barbie Spy Dolphin. That was my favorite. <laughs> Barbie Spy Squad. But, like, I started to realize that each of these movies starts to fall into very similar trends. So I'll say the one that I watched the most plot of is um, The Princess and the Pauper Story, which is uh, Princess and the Pop Star, where she trades places with a pop star. She's a princess. She trades places with a pop star. There are a bunch of musical numbers in that, and I skipped every single one of them so I could move through the whole thing. Okay. But Spy Squad kept me moderately entertained. The plot development moves really slow. In... It's just a lot more of, like, entertaining kids, sort of. So you kind of end up in a weird spot. Who are these movies made for? What age group? Kids, yeah. Yeah, but, like, five-year-olds, ten-year-olds? I'm inclined to think that the Dreamhouse Adventures would be as low as five because there is a little sister in that, and I don't remember what her name is. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, she's got three little sisters in that, but there's uh, one who's a little kid. Do any of them have any adult spice? I'm sorry? I don't mean sex. Could an adult get any joy from them? That's actually an interesting thing that developed here in this particular piece. So this woman wrote this gigantically long article, got it published in a journal. At the end of the whole article, she posts a sort of postscript um, where she says that when she started engaging in the Barbie material more and sort of saying like, hey, honey, to her daughter, hey, honey, there's a new Barbie movie on. Would you like to watch it with me? Her daughter started to pull back from Barbie altogether. She did not like the fact that her mother was interested in the same stuff that she That's was interested in. That's interesting. How old is your daughter? And then she turned a corner and got more into Minecraft, where you're blowing things up and stuff like that. So she's like, so I guess I don't have any... I guess I can't blame Barbie for my kid blowing wow. stuff up in a, in a computer world now, because I kind of pushed her away from Barbie <laughs> by being How interested How old is the daughter? I can't remember. Sorry. I don't want to be a parent. That makes me not want to be a parent. <laughs> now, if any of you are sitting out there screaming at the top of your lungs, I would be remiss if I did, if I did not include mention of the soon-to-be 2020 live-action Barbie movie set to star Margot Robbie, written by oh. Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. <laughs> oh. As of now, no details of the Barbie movie have been revealed. About the plot, anyway. When Sony was still working on the film, it was supposed to be, it was supposed to follow the adventures of the title character, Barbie, who gets kicked out of Barbie Land for not being perfect enough. Okay. But it's possible that Mattel and Warner Brothers have a completely new idea for the script, and I hope they do. Marissa, are you familiar with this movie in any way? No. Okay, so in 2017, they announced that they were going to make a live-action Barbie movie starring who? Who do you think? Go ahead. Go nuts. Wait. Did I fever dream it? Did I think there was going to be a live action with that comedian who's annoying? Amy Schumer, yes. Yeah. Okay, I heard about that. What happened? Amy Schumer pulled out, and then Anne Hathaway stepped in for a very brief time before she stepped out, and now they have Margot Robbie ready to do it, and they're sort of starting the whole thing from the beginning. Now, you might hope that someone who wrote Lady Bird, and there have been rumors leaning towards the 
Greta Gerwig might actually direct it as well. So you would okay. think that the person who made Lady Bird might also make something substantive out of Barbie. But one of the people who was attached to write it uh, was Diablo Cody. Oh. And Diablo Cody sat on it for a really long time, and then she gave the money back because wow. she couldn't do it. That she couldn't figure out how to write a substantive horrible. script out of the character Barbie. <laughs> Someone, they should probably not make a movie. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting, too. Uh, but that's all that I have about Barbie. That's interesting. Pete, did your sister play with Barbies? My sister collected Barbies for a period of time, but they stayed in the box. Okay. I had a Ken I- doll. You're goddamn right I had a Ken doll. That's interesting. (laughs) Uh, I still have some collector Barbies uh, that I never took out. I had a new kid on the block doll. I had plenty of Barbies. But at the time, so I'm 33. So 33 years ago, there was, I think, only one dark skin Barbie. And it always had the same face. (laughs) Um, So and I think it only had one shade of brown. My brother one day, my brother didn't like. My brother didn't like that I almost exclusively played with Caucasian dolls. I didn't play with the Black Barbie. Oh, I hope just, this is going where I think it's going to go. Oh, no, but I, I don't know. I didn't play with the Black Barbie. It just didn't have the same, like, like it just wasn't made as well as the White Barbie. So, like, that, that's horrible. That's how Mattel, that I'll be. Yeah. So, like, my brother was, like, sad about that. So then he surprised me and he bought me. Mattel does not exist anymore. Damn. Had this line of Shawnee dolls. And there were all these African-American girls with different shades of dark. There was a really, really dark skin. There was like a medium dark skin, and that was the shiny one. And then there was a, a light skin one. And he, they had like cooler clothes than Barbie. I had a Ken equivalent, which is named Jamal. And um, my most prized possession was uh, Soul, Soul Train Nisha. Nice. Who was dressed in a sort of hip soul train outfit with like african influences yeah it was really cool for those where did you think that was going for those of you who don't know carlos Merce's brother he's a very creative guy i was really hoping that he would have kidnapped one of your barbies and made it brown oh man that would have been awesome yeah no no he just would buy me not even nearly not even nearly in an offensive way (laughs) yeah no 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 i get it no he probably could paint it beautifully uh, yeah, he used to buy me dark-skinned baby dolls. Of course, there was never Hispanic. It was, like, black and white. But it was great because it was nice to have brown people. Uh, and he also bought me a Little Mermaid book with a blue mermaid. But it was, in, like, right. facial feature-wise, she was a brown mermaid. And uh, I resisted <laughs> at first because the world trained me to like white. And I value my brother for what he did for me. He's 11 years older than me. It wasn't like he's the same age as me. And he was like, get woke. And he won't even listen to our show. Yep, he's the reason we started this. Well, not really, but he really motivated us to start this podcast. And now he doesn't listen. And Carlos, Thanks, if you Carlito. are secretly listening, then you should donate to our Patreon. Yes, you should. Actually, you know what? Don't donate to our Patreon because then you'll see more stuff that you don't want to see. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> plugs. Uh, Pete, how many plugs? <laughs> I want to plug NyQuil. No. Um, I mean, you can. I am enjoying is the wrong word, but I'm very much enjoying the compelling series that showed up on Netflix called Unbelievable. I'm really happy because Merritt Weaver is in a lead role, and I like her, and she's doing a great job. The subject matter is also important and terrifying, so I strongly suggest you check out Unbelievable on Netflix. Okay. However... 
if you're like, I don't want to watch a show about rape and tracking down the rapist, I strongly suggest watching a show called Glitch, and it is also on Netflix. And it's really, 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 like, just simple. You could just sit there and watch it for, like, six hours, and you'll be like, that was like eating popcorn. I'm still hungry. You know, like, it's just kind of like going through the motions of doing something. But it's still pretty fun, and it's sci-fi-ish. Okay. How about you, Marissa? What was that tone? What do you have to plug, Marissa? (laughs) If you are my age, you may be familiar with the show That's So Raven, which I'm 33 in my youth. I don't remember what youth age, but I used to love that show starring Raven Simone. It was a Disney Channel original series. Who did she play? I don't know who that is. Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea's great. Did you Um, know the actress got in an accident drunk driving? Oh, my God. Like, recently? Then, when they started Raven's Home, I was like, I'd like to see them try to bring Chelsea. Oh, shit, there she is. Yeah, they did. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's about, it stars Raven Simone, and she's, like, has psychic abilities. Anyway, they have, like, a sequel. Raven Simone still is in it. She's not the star. Her children are the stars. It's not as strong as that's a raisin. Raisins. Is that so raisin? Because <laughs> so Raven Simone is the star of that show. Anytime Absolutely. she's not in the uh, scene, you know what? S- sometimes her little brother is the star of the show. Wait, in the original? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, no, no, no. I'm sorry. But meaning, like, she's the best part of this sequel. She's in it enough that if you are nostalgic for that, so Raven, I would absolutely watch Raven is Home. Mm-hmm. The children are not as funny as the adults, but I would say the adults are in at least 50% of every episode, if not more. I yeah. enjoy that. So it's an innocent an innocent watch. I put it on when my father at my parents' house, expecting my father to be like, what's the shit? Turn it off. <laughs> and he was, my mother was like, let's watch a movie. He's like, no, no, no. We need to let Raven's Home finish. Now, and me and my father watched Jones' <laughs> Raven's Home. It was beautiful. If any of you are like, what is this woman talking about? Raven's Home has been on for years. You have to understand, Marissa doesn't have clickable television through. Like, yeah, she can't like click through channels and accidentally find that something like this is on. So, yeah, so I didn't find it was on until I went to Disney World this summer, and I still can't watch it regularly. She had to travel to Florida to find out <laughs> that Raven's yeah. Home. <laughs> and I still only watch it when I'm at someone's house with cable, and it's such a treat. Very nice. So that's it. Uh, yeah, there are so still thanks for listening, guys. In the world. I'm less unhinged than when I started. I'm glad we could help with that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so if you want to leave a message, tell us we're awesome. Leave a message for our upcoming 100th show or ask a question. Call 570-PODWOD1. Absolutely. You can also join our Patreon at patreon.com slash y'all heard. No apostrophe. Um, out there we have recently premiered Marissa's song, Dick Scale. Yeah. Mike Dominic, if you have any requests, since you're our only Patreon subscriber, do let us know. And if you're like, man, I would donate to them, but they won't do the thing that I want them to do. Oh, shut. Try it. Totally do it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so have a good week, and thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.